Oh, look at this. This is a good one. Some suggest that Parker's powers include the male spider's ability to hypnotize females. Stop. Come on. <laughs> yes, my spider lord. <laughs> Can we just, like, stay up here all day? It is so crazy down there. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever Spider-Man can. Can he swing from a web? I think he can, because he is. Look out for the Spider-Man. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lugdoll Podcast. This is your host, Elias Rush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing Spider-Man, No Way Home, directed by John Watts. Spider-Man, No Way Home is a 2021 American superhero film based on the Marvel comic book character Spider-Man. Co-produced by Columbia Pictures and Marvel Studios, distributed by Sony Pictures, um, releasing it. It is uh, the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming 2017, Spider-Man Far From Home 2019, and is the 27th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film is directed by John Watts, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. Same guys coming back from the third, uh, the previous two Spider-Man movies featuring Tom Holland as well. It stars uh, Tom Holland as Peter Parker, uh, or Spider-Man, alongside Zendaya. Um, I, I guess they just don't have a last name for it. She's just Zendaya. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to hold back uh, the rest of the cast before we get into it, just for the pre preserving the... Uh, cinematic experience if you know what i mean <clears throat> so because this movie and the way that it's uh configured into the mcu um you will want to be caught up with the marvel cinematic movies in my opinion i think it's smart to just go ahead and have those under your belt so having all the 27 films under your belt does feel not uh, ultimately necessary, but you're definitely going to want to know them. And you're also going to want to know your Spider-Man history, specifically the last, probably the last 20 years of Spider-Man specifically on screen. Um, just having that, those key knowledge um, beats, you don't necessarily have to have comic book knowledge, but having, knowing the, the history of Spider-Man and the heroes, um, the MCU heroes, is going to definitely play into your enjoyment of this movie. Um, it very much is the culmination of a lot of plot lines for many, many years and and overlaying them onto um, one massive film. So it's a lot of people are going to uh, uh, kind of say this is the the big ultimate Spider-Man movie. Um, so I'm going to talk about this in two separate ways before getting into the spoiler section. So the first way we're going to talk about it is just strictly from the technical standpoint. And if you have not seen the marketing for this, I'm going to try to dance around in Spider-Man, my web, create a web around the plot so that we can talk about it without going too in depth and uh, without you knowing who's actually or what actually is happening in the movie. I think this is one of those movies where you want to go in knowing the least amount of stuff about the movie, but you want to know as much as you can about the history. Um, 
specifically the media history of uh, Spider-Man, you know, where, where he is um, cinematically. There's so much behind the scenes and technical uh, uh, logistical configuration that is making this movie happen. It, it's mind blowing from just from that standpoint alone. So basically behind the scenes, I cannot believe that this movie is even being made. I, it, it feels like a dream in a way, like uh, a really awesome, uh, you know, Spider-Man dream or something like that. I don't even know. So I will say uh, the, this first little probably couple minutes, we're going to talk about this, um, just the technicals about how what we thought about the movie without going into details and not even talking about the cast as well. So um I personally did know way more than I wanted to going into the movie. I think there was uh, about a, a trailer a day for the past two years. It felt like they were like, did you know who this is in the movie? Did you know this guy's in the movie? Did you know they are in the movie? Did you know she's in the movie? Did, did they? I was getting blown up like random times of the day that so-and-so was going to be in the Spider-Man movie. It felt like the it was a joke. It was uh, of how many people and how big this cast was going to be. So if you're going into this movie not knowing anybody that's in this movie, I, I wish I could have that theatrical experience um, because it felt impossible to stay away from the spoilers. So going into this, our the ambition that they had going into this and just expectations were extremely high. I mean, it was hard not to be because of how much they were pumping the, the theatrical, the, the, uh, the trailers and whatnot. So, um, going into it. Yeah, it was pretty high and I really had no idea what the reviews were to be honest. Um, I thought it started out. Okay. Now, for as good as reviews as everyone's giving it, why did it just start out okay? I think it just started out okay, uh, kind of slow starting in the way that it's building the narrative and getting you involved and entrenched in this, st this story. Very much the past two Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland have had the directed by John Watts have been very much uh, the John Hughes type. Uh, young adult narrative of Spider-Man and very much has felt like, you know, even though he's got Superman, superhero, pro, uh, superhero powers, he's got real world uh, down to earth problems. You know, how is he going to get to prom? You know, how is how is Spider-Man going to ask out, uh, you know, uh, his uh, girlfriend? ask his his girlfriend's dad that you know what the, what the deal is can i take your daughter out um that type of thing um you know not necessarily the biggest uh biggest problems on a worldwide national scale so they felt way more relatable in that way but in with saying that i did feel like tom holland's spider-man was lacking this sense of uh, dramatic, um, uh, what is it called? Kind of, uh, the feeling of it, you know, there's so much of the charismatic jokingness that comes from the Sp Spider-Man character, um, from across the years, from the early Sam Raimi Spider-Man to, um, even the Andrew Garfield, um, Spider-Man, which were not exactly loved, but they still had that element of him kind of joking around in a way. And uh, that is definitely Spider-Man's personality. But both of those characters, the the previous iterations of Spider-Man uh, and the previous two uh, 
by the previous movies were by definition they felt darker in a way they felt like they had the tonal balance of uh the dramatic elements of loss and i felt like tom holland tom holland's uh spider-man was rooted in a sense of dramatic comedy in a way like he would kind of you know throw jokes left and right to kind of you know spur the moment but then when he actually lost what happened in the end of uh in game which i expect you to have seen by now is that we lost basically his biggest mentor uh tony stark and so i did feel that this was kind of adding on to that um that feeling of spider-man needs to kind of grow up in a way and mature and i felt like this movie is pushing the ball forward in ways that i was not expecting um because in the same way that i felt like he was still kind of a kid after he loses tony stark um far from home kind of comes in and is still very much a romantic comedy in a way um in the way that it's kind of shot and so I honestly didn't feel like it was too like I, I don't need it to be draggy and sad and all that that type of Spider-Man sad Spider-Man swinging and stuff like that. But I felt like he definitely needed to uh, quote unquote like grow up and mature in a way that I was like you know we've been seeing him do this since 2017 now and even as early as I think 2015 when whenever Civil War was MCU Civil War. Um, but we've been seeing him almost play Spider-Man probably just shy of half a decade. And so it's time to kind of push him out of the high school area and maybe he's in college by now. You know, he's pushing uh, mid-20s right now. And I think he's not even in college at this point in this story. And so it's like, all right, time to get him out of here. And um, of course, because of the pandemic, it, it pushes the time back a little bit more. So Tom Holland's obviously going to be older. But, um, you know, with saying that this movie has the epic grand scale that you're looking for. It has the nostalgic pieces that I think that Endgame really reveled in in a way um, and didn't um, oversaturate the market with the kind of quote unquote Easter eggs that I think that they want to plant. Um, I think the majority of it works on all cylinders. The, the comedy is something I do have. I'm starting to, it's starting to really grind my gears on the, uh, uh, the Hawkeye show a little bit, actually. Um, I'm starting to notice this, this setup punch punchline between, um, dramatic elements in MCU comedy that take away from sorry these these comedic setups that are taken away from dramatic times in uh, elements or plot driven elements or scenes that really need to just kind of sit there just sit there and let them be sad my God I I, I don't need them always cracking a joke to kind of like oh he's gonna they're gonna be all right oh you son of a bitch you know it's like I I don't need. Uh, a joke every time that uh, not everyone needs to be uh, uh, Roman Roy on fucking succession with a quick zinger because they're normally not. Um, so sometimes I kind of wish it would just like revel in the moment a little bit. That's something that I did feel like the older um, 
the older Spider-Man movies were were very much comfortable doing. They were comfortable being in a sad moment and uh, more dramatic moments, which I feel like I haven't really felt in the MCU Phase Four much at all. The, the Phase Four comedy has been has been very wonky in my opinion. So that is my kind of uh, light light review without talking about any of the cast. Um, I would give it an eight out of ten, saying that it starts off a little bit slow and tries is trying to find its footing. It's almost like watching somebody complete a dance, but then by the end they are the freaking master of it. Um, I I really do feel like this movie was probably created from the the tail forward. Um, being that they knew where they wanted the end of this movie to go, and then they continued to write write to the beginning of the movie, because it very much feels like the beginning of the movie is kind of like slow to get their gears up. You know, they're trying to stand up for the dance. Like, oh, I guess I'll do it. It's like, you know, when you actually got the moves, but you know, it takes takes a minute to kind of like warm it up, kind of thing. So, um, yes, that's my light review of just. Just the movie without the cast. Now, I know that was kind of hard to say without having anybody in there. Let's talk about it with knowing who's in the marketing for this movie. Now, this is where the section was um, for everybody that still wants non-spoilers, but you've seen the trailers and everything, so you, you everybody knows who's going to be in this. So um, I'm still I'm going to try to uh, keep it still as spoiler-free as possible. Um... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the list to make sure that I got everybody without. Uh... OK, so we know Tom Holland's in it as Peter Parker. Um, Zendaya, who I believe right now is his real life girlfriend, which I think that on screen chemistry between Tom Holland and Zendaya has never been better. Um, it's almost to like y'all stop being so cute. Oh, my gosh. You know, that kind of thing. Just just stop it. Uh, they could probably just make a, a an independent film themselves without even having to be uh, attached to some sort of IP, because I think they've created that kind of couple, that kind of power couple. So we have Doctor Strange, played by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, who's been in fucking everything. I just saw him in Power of the Dog. Uh, that was pretty pretty interesting movie. Um, Jacob Batalon, who's his best bud. Um, John Favreau is happy. We have Jamie Fox. He is in the trailer, so I, uh, he is. Uh, his real name is Eric Malone Bishop. Oh wow, I had no idea that was Jamie Fox's real name. Oh, okay, so um, so Jamie Fox is coming back as I think like Electro. Um, and this is in the trailer. Don't say I, I'm spoiling this for you. Willem Dafoe. So uh, d- legendary actor Willem Dafoe. Uh, four Academy nominations. Like the dude's amazing. And he steps back in as Goblin. The Green Goblin. Just like he never left. I mean, from not even just like looking like it looking like the character but acting like him too it is scary how good this guy is just stepping back into this role seamlessly and i've heard what is he well over 60 mid 60s or something like that and he is in some of the best shape of his life i was 
I was uh, floored by it. I think maybe like one time I couldn't tell that it was him. I was like, wait, that's like a 30 year old guy. But <laughs> I was like uh, very surprised how much uh, on on screen this guy was. Um, again, this is in the trailers. This is in the poster. This is in the marketing. Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2. So we have the original OGs from Spider-Man, uh, the, the Tobey Maguire's uh, villains in those. We have the, the Willem Dafoe's as Goblin, the Green Goblin. We have Alfred Molina as Dr. Octavius. Uh, Benedict Wong from MCU. I was like, pfft, mine, everything, everybody's in the party. Everybody's here. And of course... Um, Tony Revaloli as uh, Flash Thompson, and uh, oh my gosh, Marissa Tomei, just like fine wine, just like fine wine. Okay, so um, we have uh, okay, so I think we got just about all of the cast that I can talk about that has been um, shown in the trailers, and um, so continuing on in the film, Parker asks Doctor Strange to make his identity as Spider-Man a secret again. With magic following uh, its public revelation, but it breaks open the multiverse and allows five supervillains from alternate realities who have fought alternate versions of Parker to enter his universe. This is like the fucking end game of Spider-Man. Dun, 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 or, um, you know, um, Spider-Man or whatever the, I don't know what I'm even doing now. But anyways, um, I was like, dude, hearing all this stuff, my, my inner, like, like seven-year-old me was like, I was, I was exploding mentally, physically, and emotionally, spiritually, all the least. I was so hype hearing all of these characters, all of some of my favorite villains of all time. I used to, I didn't even like rewatching movies too often when I was growing up, but when I did, I rewatched the shite out of them. Spider Man 2, I watched Doc, Dr. Op, uh, Doc Ock do all this stuff, uh, you know, fight Spider Man like 20 bajillion times. I had all the video games. I was not a comic book nerd, but I was always playing the video games. I was always rewatching the movies. These were some of my favorite movies of all time and so when um the garfield movies came through with their villains and the 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 jamie fox's uh electrode uh, villains i was kind of in um high school at that point and i wasn't really too interested in i think i was in high school and i was not too interested in those um uh, movies because that looked i guess uh younger audience for me and you know i was Pinky up. I was like, I'm only interested in rated uh, movies. You know, I, I don't know. I was I had a chip on my shoulder for some stupid reason, but um, I did end up seeing those other two movies. So I am well uh, rehearsed in the Spider-Man um, film lore over the past, you know, 20, 30 years. And so I, all of these in, uh, individuals were very um, recognizable to me and having them at least show up uh, was amazing. And of course, having the Dr. Strange crazy aesthetic with, uh, the, uh, the mystical, uh, 
magical elements that we have Spider-Man kind of interacting in. It was just like an experience. I was just floored, blown away. I was just like, I'm here for this. I was like, and this got to be one fucking expensive ass movie. Um, with a running time of 148 minutes on a budget of 200 million, it is, uh, it, it's going to pack a punch. A lot of people are predicting that this movie is going to make uh, pre-pandemic type numbers, which would be amazing, but also be safe out there. Um, I, we tried to go at like three o'clock on a Thursday, so tried not to go to during too much of a busy time, but they had screenings all freaking day and afternoon. I was like, so it's going to be Spider-Man all day, baby. And, um, so I was, uh, I was floored by this cast and I was amazed by it. And like I said earlier, it was an eight out of 10 little Rocky start, but having all of these characters step right back into their roles and, um, make earlier movies better in my opinion i was like i'm here for it i am absolutely here for it and their way to kind of explore the multiverse in a way just continues to blow my mind of the the sandbox in my head as a as a kid you know how uh a lot of us either were in our minds would be like what if superman fought batman what if superman you know what if spider-man was fighting uh doc strange what if you know all this crazy you know big what if type stuff and i was i feel like we're actually getting to see this type of stuff uh in real life now i'm like this is what we've been waiting for <laughs> so um yeah, I was floored about this. Uh, floored about this movie. A third MCU Spider-Man film was planned during the production of Homecoming in 2017. By August 2019, negotiations between Sony and Marvel had uh, to alter their deal, in which they produced the Spider-Man films together, ending the Marvel Studios, leaving the project. However, a negotiation sorry, however, a negative fan reaction led to a a uh, new deal between the two companies a uh, month later watts mckenna summers and holland were set to return at that time i remember hearing about this and this was like there was supposed to be like only one or two spider-men at this point or i think the second one it was around around the second one and they were just like yeah, no more Spider-Man because we didn't get the negotiation. And Tom Holland, basically real-life Spider-Man, went up there and said, we need we need Spider-Man. You know, the, I, I've worked too hard for this shit. And Tom Holland literally saved Spider-Man alongside the rest of the fans. So we're probably only seeing this movie because of you guys and gals and Spider-Man and Spider-Women and non-binary spiders. I don't know. <laughs> but Spider-Pigs out there. Everybody. Everybody came together to save Spider-Man. And uh, it felt like we were, you know, Spider-Man 2 where if you want to get the Spider-Man, you got to get through us. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. Oh, I love it. Um, so, uh, let's see the, uh, it led to negative fan reaction and, uh, a new deal was struck between the two companies a month later. Watts, McKenna, Summers, and Holland were set to return at that time. Filming began in October, 20, uh, 2020 in New York city before moving to Atlanta later that month, wrapping at the, at the end of March, 2021, no way home. So it was half COVID production. Um, no way home explores the, uh, explores the concept of the multiverse 
and ties the MCU to past Spider-Man film series with numerous actors, including, uh, let me see. Okay. So I can't say anything from here. Um, so yeah, like I said, you're going to want to be rehearsed in the Spider-Man, um, Spider-Man lore. Let's see what I'm right now. I'm, I'm scanning uh, spoilers right now. Do not do not look at any of the stuff online for Spider-Man No Way From Home. Social media, everything is completely spoiled. It is nobody has the sanctity to just leave it alone and say, go see the movie. But this is what I'm trying to do is be very tiptoeing around it. Um, okay, so Spider-Man No Way Home premiered at Fox Village Theater in L.A. on December 13, 2021. It was theatrically released in the United States on December 17th as part of Phase 4 of the MCU. The film has received positive reviews from critics and praise for the performances on the chemistry and set, screenplay, emotional weight, action sequences, cinematography, direction, and musical score. I agree with absolutely all of those with the exception of the like, first 30 minutes of the movie. Um, and so far, it's grossed uh, well over $43 million worldwide, and that's just on the first day. It's, it's Friday morning right now of the first morning of it, so give it some time to make some money. I really do think it's going to do gangbusters. I bet this movie makes well over $600 million worldwide in the first uh, like month or so. I think this is just going to be ginormous. Um, so yeah, this is a, a massive, massive movie let's hop into spoilers for everybody like i said eight out of ten and i would absolutely recommend this if you're a spider-man fan go see it thank you for listening to the spoiler free section of the podcast for the entire podcast be sure to go to patreon.com slash lucky podcast for the entire review you'll get to hear the good the bad the ugly Although we will leave a nice little chunk of change of, of a review for you to listen to on the YouTubes, on the on the website, luckadogpodcast.com. And, uh, of course, follow us on all the social medias as well, luckadogpodcast. Um, thumbs up, subscribe, follow, uh, web sling your way to whatever social media you can. That's how you support the podcast. Five stars us on um, iTunes. You know what to do. So, um, Clash, back, back to the, back, back to your seats now, Clash. Um, okay, so I basically kind of gave a nice little overview of everything. We're about to get into the spoiler section. At this point, I would have expected you to have seen the movie, seen the mid-credit scene and the post-credit scene. Um, we're going to talk about everything, um, from here on in the film. So, let's get into the plot. One week after Quentin Beck's attacks in Europe, a video is released in which Beck frames Spider-Man for his murder and reveals Spider-Man's true identity as Peter Parker. Parker and MJ escape the media and head to uh, Parker's apartment. Reuniting with his Aunt May and Happy Hogan, with uh, the apartment surrounded by the Department of Damage Control, Parker, MJ, May, and Ned Leeds are taken into custody 
and interrogated, but have their charges dropped with their help of a lawyer. Matt Murdock. So everybody was like, holy Santa Claus shit! Fucking, fucking Daredevil's in the show! Oh, fuck! Oh my gosh. We... I I remember sitting in the theater and my mind was like... I had heard one speculation about it. I was like, there's a possible... I had heard there's a possibility that Matt Murdock is in this and Charlie Cox is going to reprise his role as Daredevil. And it's like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. That ain't going to happen. It, I was like, the Netflix Marvel television shows always said that they were in the MCU and they always referred to themselves as being in the MCU. But since the multiverse had been created, I was like, there's no way. There's no way that's going to be in the same universe. They're here, or at least fucking Matt Murdock's here. Let's do it. Let's go. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for some fucking Daredevil on the big screen. People in the theater, like, so excited, so fucking excited. Oh my gosh, I'm sure y'all were hype. I was hype. We were all hype. All my boys were hype. We were in the the theater. Everybody was hype, yelling. It was amazing. So fucking Matt Murdock, we are, are we are bringing the worlds together, and this is not the only big reveal in Marvel this week. Um, so yeah, this first little bit of them getting uh, uh surrounded by the apartment and everything, and them being in trouble at first, but then not being in trouble, um, did kind of feel like it went nowhere. I thought it was going to be the the extenuating circumstances of what it pushed and propelled this movie. This is kind of where I was having a little bit of problem with the movie of the reasoning that he wanted people to forget that he was Spider-Man. He basically goes to uh, Stephen Strange and he's like, you know, can people forget about me being Peter Parker so I can, I don't know, go to college, MIT, that type of shit? And of course, it's a very... Uh, young-minded way of thinking and whatnot, but the majority of all the Avengers are already publicly not known, and they're uh, uh, they're looked at as heroes the majority of the time. I mean, give or take, like, what's going on with the Falcon thing going on? Can't get a damn loan, but that's another story. Um, so I did think that the reasoning for this movie is kind of where my, my issues kind of uh, stem from of the reasoning that he wanted people to forget who he was at first. Um, so yeah, Parker, MJ, and Ned return to high school, but all of their university applications are rejected to the re- due to the recent controversy. This was the biggest thing. I was like, they've saved way more people than hurt. And so I feel like there would be some sort of organization or somebody that would want them on their team. Um, can Tony Stark not start a college or a university that Parker and all of them, MJ and Ned can all get into? Like it felt like the biggest problem was they didn't have any money and yet they are rubbing shoulders with billionaires. So that was in, in fucking wizards at the same time. So I'm just like, eh, you know, stretches the, the believability on my, my end, but that was just me. Um, I felt like there was an, a better way or a better reasoning of why he would want to do this. So 
Harker consults with Stephen Strange in the Sanctum Sanctatorium. (laughs) Uh, That's an interesting name. Uh, Asking him to cast a spell to make people forget he is Spider-Man. Despite Wong's waning, um, sorry, despite Wong's warning of the consequences that could occur, Strange casts a spell anyway. Um, Like, without even thinking about it, I feel like he just, like, whipped it up real quick like he was making a recipe. Strange casts a spell anyway. However, Parker Parker constantly requests alterations while Strange is casting the spell, which he's not very clear about. I felt like he just tells him to stop talking a little bit, but he's not like, don't talk during the ceremony of doing the whoosh, the whoosh. And uh, Parker is just doing that anyway. Um, Causing it to be corrupted. Angered, Strange kicks Parker out of the sanctuary sanctorium after learning that parker did not consider contacting the mit acceptance board before requesting the spell like dude come on just use your freaking head uh so parker goes to the alexander hamilton bridge and tries to convince an mit administrator to accept ned's and mj's application I did feel like this was a little bit obvious and I I had seen the trailers and stuff like that. So I knew what was going to happen, but I just did. I wish I had not known so much of this was going to happen, but even though the reveals were still fun, but on the bridge, they are suddenly attacked by Otto Octavius, who just steps into this role. Alfred Molina just comes in out of nowhere, basically walks out of Spider-Man 2 um, pretty well. I thought this was some of the best CGI I've seen in the Spider-Man universe um, in the past three years. Um, could just be that's the most recent one I've seen. But um, he rips Parker's nanotechnology from his iron suit, iron spider suit causing it to bond with his uh, mechanical tentacles, um, which I kind of feel like don't really do much, but that's just, I don't know. Uh, and of course, the nanotech can just do anything. I'm tired of nanotech. Nanotech is kind of an excuse for just green screen, in my opinion. It's like, oh, we'll just make it do nanotech technology. It doesn't have to be explained. Um, so it's causing his uh, mechanical, causing it to bond with his mechanical tentacles. After discovering that this is not the Peter Parker um, hitting him with a hello, Peter, and it's the wrong Peter. He's like, you're not Peter Parker. Who rips uh, Parker's nanotechnology from his... Oh, sorry, I just said that. After discovering that this isn't Peter Parker, he previously fought Octavius, causing his robotic arms to be disabled by the nanotechnology. And it quickly renders Otto Octavius as kind of just being a fool that has these arms attached to him that he can't even control. If you can't control the arms, you're fucked. (laughs) I remember in Spider-Man 2 that I think that the arms were kind of controlling him behind that little chip in the back of his head that he had to destroy in that one. But uh, still, that was um, it does make him kind of useless without not being able to use the arms. So. Strange reveals that the spell has begun bringing the people from every part of the multiverse who knows Parker is Spider-Man into their world. With the help of MJ Ned, Parker decides to help capture any other visitors they find and capture Max, Dylan, and Flint Marco.
So I was not ready for uh, Jamie Foxx and the Sandman to show up. I was like so floored by the Sandman showing up. I, I know he's not like my favorite character or anything like that. But still, I was just like, oh, shit, Thomas Aiden Church back. It's fucking Sandman. Oh, Jamie Foxx back. It's Electron. I was like, oh, shit, man. <laughs> I was like, they got everybody in the club. It felt like the Coachella of Spider-Man movies or something like that. I was like, God dang. <laughs> oh, went too hard. Okay, so um, so they find and capture uh, Max Dillon, Flint Marco. Elsewhere, Norman Osborn is uh, retrie- retrieved after going to a feast. Um, oh, sorry. Did I... Yeah. Okay. So Norman is retrieved after going to a feast building, uh, feast building, seeking help. Um, Strange wants to send the villains back to their respective reality uh, universes to meet their fates. However, Parker wants to cure them and help them uh, before sending them back in order to prevent their fatal, their fated deaths. And that's what they all had in common is they all have some sort of fate fatality with Spider-Man in a way. He frees them and confines uh, Spider-Man frees them and confines Strange in the mirror dimension after a brief fight. And this is the fight where they are fighting through the multi dimensions of fucking Doctor Strange is like, you know, shifting the world on top of each other. And it's like and they're doing the whoosh and some of the whoosh. And he's like, Parker, don't do this. Um, Let me just say that Strange is not having kids probably anytime soon at this point. He is so pissed at Peter that Peter is just trying to help the villains out in a way. And knowing what happens at the end of this, it's like, uh, you know, it it sucks that it's because of his good nature of what happens. It still comes back to bite him in the ass, you know, Um, no good deed goes unpunished kind of thing. Uh, So they're. Confined Strange into the mirror dimension after a brief fight. Very cinematically action-heavy, and it's some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. Um, so... Parker successfully... So, Strange in the mirror dimension after a brief fight, taking the dimensions... Sorry, taking the villains to Hogan's apartment. Parker successfully cures Octavius by using Stark's industry technology to replace his broken inhibitor chip. When cures are developed for Osborne and Dylan, the Gablin, the Green Gablin, persona takes over Osborne before the cure can be administered. And let me just say, the... The parental aspect of Norman Osborn overlooking um, Peter Parker was so amazing. And for like maybe two to three minutes, it really felt like there could have been some sort of Norman Osborn, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, what if universe of them working together. And I really did like the the dynamic there tom holland always works well when he has some sort of like mentor over him he works well as the kind of 
wide-eyed, inquisitive uh, uh, kind of character. I would really like to see him in like a Back to the Future type, maybe not like a Reduct or like a of that type of nature, but I do think he channels very much of that Marty McFly mysticism, you know? And I think that he kind of has that here. Um, again, when he's interacting with Norman Osborn, some of the most uh, enticing and interesting um, scenes, I thought, were were with them, too. And so um, the Green Goblin persona takes over Osborn before the cure can be administered. And Jamie Foxx is floored. He's like, he's like, what the hell? Like he is so taken back by uh, Green Goblin's turn, and I swear I don't remember them making Jamie Fox kind of just this persona that was really loud and not a little bit obnoxious, but still like hilarious. I don't remember him being that in that electrode character in the second movie, but still, I was I was laughing out loud when when Jamie Foxx's character was taken back by Green Goblin's turn. He's like, oh, fuck. Um, and so I want to say that despite them having so many villains, it was very clear what the motivations were. It felt like they kind of paired off the two different uh, types of villains. You had uh, Sandman and Electro together, and then you had like Octavius and uh, Norman Osborn together in a way. And it kind of had them to, uh, gave them a way to have like banter in a way without having too much um, screen time dedicated to someone just like giving a lot of exposition. Um, so the Goblin, Green Goblin, uh, and every time some one of uh, the characters would show up, my buddy beside me, Cam, would literally would go in my ear. And he, right before they would show up, he'd be like, oh, Goblin, Octopus, Spider-Man. I was like, I was like, dude, would you stop doing this? I was like, I was like, I know who's going to come up. Stop. The, he's like, Fox. Fan man, I was like, stop! I was like, stop! I was doing this, my, but I had I was with four of my buddies, and I swear that they were doing front flips over my fucking seat, talking over me about what the fucking movie was going on. It'd be a goblin, octopus, electrode. I was like, I was spazzing. I was like, I haven't seen the goddamn thing. I was like, I was losing my sheet. It was like strange i was like all right that's it and so <laughs> they weren't the only ones doing it i had other people in the theater that were like yelling out names who they thought were gonna show up but i was just like y'all need to calm the fuck down all y'all need to calm the fuck down and anybody that's talking through the fucking movie needs to get shut or both <laughs> so anyways um the green goblin convinces dylan to uh remove the uh remove the device that parker put on him to cure him and despite the best efforts of parker and octavius who dispatched by dylan the four other the four escape and the ensuing battle may is mortally injured by the goblin and basically in the same way that the green goblin is taken out by uh his own glider in Spider-Man one with uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And he does like a backflip and misses the glider. And then the goblin actually hits himself and, you know, spears his own chest. But this time may doesn't do a backflip. She just get, gets hit in the fucking back. 
originally when they're shooting this, she's like standing up and she's like, she kind of just like looks shocked a little bit. And you kind of look at her. And originally when she's hit by that glider, I'm like, was there like spikes or something on that? Or did she just get hit by like a 40, like a really heavy drone kind of thing? And I was trying to figure out how she was like, okay. And then she kind of just like is looking at Peter and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're kind of holding this shot a lot longer than expected. And she's like, kind of like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And she's kind of just keeps on repeating that. And then she's like, you know, kind of lays down for a second. You know, I'm okay. Yeah, good. And, and, and Tom Holland's character, he's just like, <laughs> like losing his shit. And I'm like, oh my God, did we just witness Aunt May's death? I was just like, oh my Lanta goblin killed May. Oh my God. And on top of this, it was sort of Peter was the one that was unraveling this thread. It's like, Peter. Damn, I didn't think they had to go that hard. I was like, not ready for all that. Um, I, the way that they were shooting, it was like, oh, she's going to be okay. And the way that she was hit and not like immediately like had, it's not like she had like a big thing coming out of, like a spear coming out of her stomach or something like that. It's just like, it's more or less the slow reveal because she stands up fine. And she's like, kind of like looking and then she just slowly goes down. And then the, the SWAT team is coming in and they're still shooting at Spider-Man. I was like, Oh my God, they're shooting at me. I was like, fuck. I was like, Oh my land. They're going to fucking like just decimate the body of Aunt May or what I was. This is, this was not what I was ready for. This was not in the trailer. This was not what I thought out for. <laughs> I was like, this is intense. So this uh, did check the box for uh, the the drama on the, uh, the Spider-Man movie. This was like where it really started to shine that Tom Holland's Spider-Man is going to irrevocably mature from this movie. And I was like, wow, this is... Not what I was expecting. Unpredictable, which is a this that is something I like because I did feel like the majority of the movie felt relatively predictable up until this point. I was like, oh shit! Now we got some stakes. Um, I was like, wow. So, um, yeah, and this is when and the craziest thing is like May is trying to fight the Green Goblin at this point, and she's being a badass. She's like, she's going down fighting. Um, I got to say, Marissa Tomei just fucking killed it. Um, didn't mean it like that, but you know what I mean by that. But she was going badass. Um, so in the ensuing battle, May is mortally injured by the goblin with Parker unable to save her as she succumbs to her wounds. Um, MJ and Ned accidentally learn and, and Happy rolls up as this whole thing is going on. So he's like super sad. We're all sad. Everybody's sad. MJ and Ned accidentally learn how to cast... Sorry, how to open portals using Strange Stranger's sling ring, which they use in attempt to find Parker. Instead, they summon alternative versions of him from different universes. And I have got to say, I had heard so many castings in this movie. I knew. Defoe, Melina, I knew Toby was going to be in this. 
I had no idea about Charlie Cox's Daredevil. I had heard through the grapevine, but I had actively been told so many times that Andrew Garfield was not going to reprise his role as Spider-Man. And I cannot tell you how happy I was to be wrong. I was so excited to see Andrew Garfield show up uh, and inhibit the role of Spider-Man in the same room as Tobey Maguire as my OG Spider-Man. I was like, I can die and go to heaven now. I was like, this is not something I ever thought I would see in my lifetime. It's not ever something I thought I was really craving in my lifetime. Like I absolutely needed. I couldn't wait to have them all on screen. But when it happened, oh my God, it just hit so well. I felt like, I felt like this movie might have been written from this scene because this is one of the strongest scenes of having the OG Spider-Man music come in. It feels like, you know, I can't even hum it right now. You know, something like that. It feels very like noble and stuff like that. And seeing my OG Spider-Man, I loved having them back on screen. First of all, we haven't had enough Tobey Maguire on screen since I haven't seen him since the Gatsby. I don't think um, he's he's phenomenal and he steps seamlessly right back into the role. He he takes the persona of the Spider-Man that we saw in Spider-Verse, the older, more veteran seasoned Spider-Man. And takes that even to the more nth degree. I love seeing older older superheroes because it's like they were badass. And they still are badass. But they still have that like sprinkle of, you know, the problems that older folks are having to deal with, you know. Hawkeye is actually kind of dealing that in a way too. Okay, so um, where the hell are we? Okay, so... Um, sling ring. Okay, so Ned, MJ, Ned and MJ find their, their Parker, find their Parker, who was confronted by them after learning of May's death. He meets the other Spider-Men who share their own stories of losing loved ones and encouraging him to fight in May's honor. Um, the interaction and the way that they are all that Peter is being able to talk to different versions of himself. I don't, I just can't even articulate it in my mind or in my head, how cool and awesome it was to experience that. I don't, I I know that it's, it's just a movie, but it felt like more than a movie at that point. I was like, this is just awesome. I just, I love everything about this. Um, and I, I thought about it so many times as I was watching the movie that they needed the Andrew Garfield dynamic. I was honestly surprised because I have love for Toby as Spider-Man. I definitely got love for Tom as Spider-Man. 
But Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, I felt like they brought different elements of the persona of Peter Parker to life that felt so grounded. And I loved every minute of it. I want to see them on screen together again. Um, so anyways, absolutely adored that our Andrew Garfield was in this as well. I, I, I really come to like that guy as an actor, um, considering him not being one of my favorite Spider-Man from that trilogy. That wasn't even a trilogy. I think it was just like from that universe. Um, but anyways, uh, so yeah, I don't think all of this would have worked if it was just Toby as Spider-Man. So they cooperate on curing the remaining um, villains and lure them into the Statue of Liberty. Um, Ned and MJ protect the original bind spell by Strange as by this box that can basically solve. It's the MacGuffin box that can do anything, you know. Um, so they protect the bind spell by Strange as Spider-Men battle their enemies together. And we've seen it in the trailer. It looked like one Spider-Man was about to fight three villains, but everybody had talked about it, how two other Spider-Men had been erased from the scene. And that's exactly what had happened. But when it happened, it was badass. I got to say, it was one of the coolest, um, most engaging scenes. Even though it was a, a slab dark, you know, sometimes when there's dark scenes, it's hard to see the action. I still thought it was really well choreographed. You could see the the Spider-Man that were fighting with the different types of uh, uh, villains and the elements that they had to encounter. Um, you know, it was like the Toby versus Octavius, or it wasn't even Octavius. It was like the Toby versus Goblin. And then, um, you know, you got the... Uh, Andrew Garfield's uh, fighting, you know, Electrode and stuff like that. It was like they were fighting their respective villains that they had to fight back in the day. Um, I will say at some points I got lost to who, who, which Spider-Man was who. But uh, there is a little bit of a banter scene before they get into the fight. And it feels like one of those scenes where uh, they're talking about, you know, oh, my back. Uh Toby Maguire actually did have really bad back issues, I think, at the end of or in the middle of shooting Spider-Man 2. And it was part of the reason I think that he kind of signed off on not being Spider-Man anymore after the third one, um, besides studio interference and whatnot. But I'm pretty sure he was getting older as an actor and he was actually getting hurt sometimes when he's performing some of these stunts. And so it was an interesting callback to talk about, um, you know, the back issues of Spider-Man and stuff like that. So I liked them kind of just portraying each other. And then, you know, Andrew Garfield was like, I'm not good enough. And he's like, I lost him. I lost my Gwen. I lost my Stacy. I, I lost, I lost my girl. And, you know, uh, every single one of them has, has suffered some sort of loss. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, what do we have? So the Spider-Man battle their respective enemies together after initially struggling to fight them as a team. The Spider-Man must decide to trust their instincts and plan a coordinated attack on the villains, which I was like, can't you already do this? Don't you already have spider sense? I know that they said that they're used to working solo, but it's just like, eh, you know, one of them, you know, worked on Avengers and, you know, that he does bring that to life. Um, so there is team elements at play. 
They are later joined by Octavius and manage to defeat and cure Connors, Dylan, and Marco after a lengthy battle. Dylan reconciles with his universe's Spider-Man and encouraged to abandon his villainous tendencies. Uh, Ned frees Strange from the mirror dimension, who seizes control. Uh, oh, and uh, I got to say, um, Tim Roth came back to talk as the um, as the lizard man. I forgot what it's called, the lizard guy. Um, and I was surprised how much they had him talking as a lizard. I was like, this is kind of a weird character to just have talking, but I guess it's just the Suicide Squad galaxy guardians of the galaxy weirdness that we're just not going to draw attention to a big cgi lizard thing hanging out you know um he's just going to be one of the guys or one of the girls or one of the team or whatever um so anyways um tim roth just shows up for like one scene when he's being turned back into a human which is pretty crazy he's been tim roth he's been like abomination or something like that for i don't know how long i'm assuming that was abomination right I don't know. Fuck if I know. Um, was that Tim Roth? I might I might be wrong. That might be somebody else. Was that Dr. Connors? Was that not Tim Roth? I might be getting that wrong. I think I am getting that wrong. Uh, I don't see where Tim Roth is on here. but Because he wasn't like... Uh, I don't think Tim Roth was... Maybe that wasn't him. I, maybe it was someone from the Spider-Man Andrew Garfield universe that I'm not uh keen about i don't know who it is actually thomas hayden church dr Connors. oh oh rise fonz oh rise if fonz the welsh actor came back as dr connor's oh, okay there we go that's not um tim roth as abomination i was getting that wrong um anyways uh okay so they are they're sending everybody back. Everyone's kind of coming back to their own selves. They bring back uh, Dr. Connors. And let me see. Ned frees uh, Strange from the mirror dimension who seizes control of the spell um, and works to protect the universe as the barriers begin to break down. I can't hold it any longer, Peter. Um, meanwhile, an enraged Parker fights and overpowers the goblin, wanting to kill him. And this is the part where I, it's just like, he's like, boosh, a boosh, a boosh, a boosh, a boosh, a boosh, a boosh. And then he slaps, you know, when they're going ham as Spider-Man and you know, when he's getting the punches in and the enemy's like, and then they get like spider, <laughs> some web on their throat, and that pulls them closer to Spider Man for another fist in the face. Like, this is like, oh my God. Um, if we saw Spider Man go ham, then it would be probably something like this. Um, it's intense. And he basically does all but tries to kill Goblin because he has stopped right at the very end. Um, so Parker fights and over, overpowers the goblin wanting to kill him for May's death, but he is stopped short by the Parker from the goblin universe, the Tobey Maguire Parker. And he's the one holding back the 
He's holding back the glider that Holland is getting ready to slice directly into the freaking goblin. And it's like Spider-Man on Spider-Man violence. And you're like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, fucking goblin stabs Toby in the back, of course, as usual. I was like, damn it. Damn it. I was worried the entire time that Toby was on screen that this was going to happen. I was like. Someone's going down. I was like, this is not good. This is the Ben Kenobi of the world. We need to watch out. So Parker ends up injecting the goblin with the cure and restores, uh, restoring him to a regretful Osborne. At Parker's request, Strange fixes the spell, sending the alternate Spider-Man and villains back to their respective universes while making everyone forget Parker's existence. I gotta say the reasoning that the other Spider-Man coming into our universe was kind of convenient. They were just kind of like, oh, I guess our Spider-Man or your Spider-Man, Holland, needs help. And that's why we're here. They're just kind of like very accepting of just like jumping into the world. Felt very much, uh, <laughs> I was just like, all right. Um, and in the same way, they're just kind of like, bye. Bye. You know, everyone's like waving goodbye. The uh, Toby and Andrew are like holding each other up. Andrew's holding uh, Toby up, uh, cracking jokes about him being stabbed. Uh, he's like, oh, don't worry about this. Uh, this has happened before. <laughs> um, like callbacks to the older movies. I will say the writing in some of the villains, now that I think about it, they literally say some of the same things they do in the older movies. You know, the power of the sun. In the palm of my hands. You know, it's just like that type of shit. Um, sometimes it felt a little bit forced in a way. I was like, what? Why Why are you even saying that right now? Um, but anyways, a lot of goblin references and stuff like that. Defoe uh, reiterating some of the things that he was saying in his trilogy or in the movie he was in. But crazy, crazy ending. Just wrapping all this up. On top of the universe like collapsing at the same time. So, uh, Strange fixes the spell, sending the alternate Spider-Man and their villains back to their respective universes while making everyone forget Parker's existence. Parker and MJ reaffirm their love for each other before the spell officially starts. And this is the part I was starting to feel like tears. I was like, oh shit, I'm starting to feel... Uh, I'm starting to feel the waterworks in a Spider-Man movie. And I think it's from uh, the Zendaya relationship with him. It was like, oh, shit, I don't want them to forget each other. I was like, oh, shit, this is no, don't do that. And um, Parker, uh, you know, he says that he will introduce himself later. Um, you know, he'll find his best friend. He'll find his girlfriend Zendaya. He'll find MJ. He'll find them and reintroduce himself and explain everything that happened. Um, later Parker tries to reintroduce himself to MJ and Ned, but cannot bring himself to do it. Parker, uh, and, and mostly because I think he sees that they are quote unquote more successful without him. They're able to live lives without being attached of having the stigma of Spider-Man on them, which paints a target on their back, which is why people, why superheroes are wearing masks. So that it protects the ones around them but also allows them to do things that they really want to do, such as go to college, MIT. Um, 
little side tangent, sidebar. I can't believe Flash is trying to all of a sudden be best friends with uh, uh, Tom uh, Spider-Man all of a sudden. You know you know what I want. I want you to say that I'm best friends with uh, with uh, Spider-Man. And he's just a piece of shit the entire time trying to sell his book and whatnot. I was, I was cracking up at a lot of the Flash Thompson scenes, but he is kind of an ass. Um, and then finishing up on the last scene, Parker visits May's grave, um, joined now by unaware Hogan. And it kind of threw me off cause they're just both standing at Aunt May's grave and Hogan completely forgets who Spider-Man is. And it's like, Oh shit, he's going to be living clearly off the grid. Um, one of the most interesting things is how Parker you know, he vows to, uh, you know, Parker visits May's grave, joined by a now unaware Hogan, and vows to carry on. Parker moves into a new apartment and creates a new suit from scratch to resume his heroics. Um, It's kind of interesting. It feels like this movie definitely kind of feeds into where the Sam Raimi trilogy technically could sort of pick off, pick up off, just in the way that he's moving into his own place and um, kind of growing up in that way. Um, in the mid credit scene, the universe displaced Eddie Brock and his symbiote companion, Venom, sit at a bar and talk with uh, the bartender about other superhumans, Thanos and the Blip. While pondering how to protect this world, the duo is swiftly transported back to their universe by Strange's spell unknowingly leaving part of the symbiote on the counter. So now <laughs> Venom is now part of the universe. Um, the final credit scene is what I, I've heard is going to be the trailer for the Doctor Strange uh, multiverse of madness. And it basically is showing the interaction of Doctor Strange meeting and crossing over into the WandaVerse universe or whatever they want to call that, meeting Wanda. And on top of that, he is meeting evil Doctor Strange from the What If series. We have an official crossover across multi-multi-dimensions and multiverses. The What If series seems that it is now canon. So... At least in the MCU. Let me know what you thought about Spider-Man No Way Home 2021. Please check out luckitallpodcast.com for all the reviews, everything you need to know, social media wise, all that. Follow, like, subscribe, thumbs up, uh, sub, uh, do all the good things you can do to hit that uh, support button. That's how we grow. Um, let me know what you thought about Spider-Man No Way Home. Let me know what you thought about the breakdown of the review. Let me know how I can improve. If you want the full review, yes, this is a more condensed review than what will be released on the Patreon. The Patreon members members will get the full slab of the review um, on patreon.com slash Podcast. You will get all the links and everything you need to know to follow this Lucky Dog podcast in the description. Thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast and take it easy.
I got like three more seconds of things to say. This is going to have spoilers right here, right now for the Hawkeye show. Just if you have not caught up with Hawkeye for the first five episodes, don't worry about it. Just check on to the next podcast. Thank you. So we're going to talk about that for like 20 seconds. I was like, holy Santa Claus shit, the kingpin. Oh, um, we should have known this at this point that um, we were going to have crossovers of all different kinds. But there was talks that Vincent D'Onofrio was going to reprise his role as kingpin. I was like, yes, so fucking excited to see Vincent D'Onofrio reprise his role. It's a very brief role, at least in the I mean, it's only just a screenshot in the first episode of uh, or the fifth episode of Hawkeye. But this means something's coming. Something is a coming. The longer you do it, the more dangerous it becomes. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, Parker. Hello, Peter.